Hi, I'm Erin O'Hara, Executive Director of the Tennessee Education Research Alliance. And I'm Laura Booker, Executive Director of Research at the Tennessee Department of Education, and this is the 10th period. So welcome to the sixth episode of the 10th period, which is a podcast designed to talk about education research in Tennessee and the impact of education research in Tennessee. And um, we focus each time on a particular study and then We talk with uh, members of the Department of Education and educators about the impact of the work that we're looking at. So today I'm really excited. We're going to be talking about our annual educator survey. We have been doing the annual educator survey in Tennessee for eight years um, as a collaboration between the Department of Education and uh, Peabody, Tara, the Tennessee Education Research Alliance. And so we survey all public school educators in the state. This year we had... Uh, nearly 40,000 educators respond, which was the largest number we've had to date, uh, with 58% of the state's teachers and administrators responding. So we feel like we get a really good response rate. Um, what I love most about the survey is that uh, is the ways I see people at the Department of Education use it, the ways that uh, we're able to use it here for research at Terra, um, and also you know hearing stories about educators using it. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk to an educator um, later in the show. Um, Kathy Wilson from Millington Elementary School will be joining us. We're That's joined right. as well by... Isaiah Bailey, who is a member of the Research and Data Use Team at the Tennessee Department of Education. And we also have Kathy Whitehead, who is a former Teacher of the Year in Tennessee and is our current uh, TDOE Director of Educator Engagement, joining us to give a little bit more about the department perspective on how the data will be used. Yeah, which is great. So so it's going to be um, an exciting episode of talking about the use of the survey. Before we get into that, um, Laura and I thought we might talk a little bit at the beginning about our most influential teachers over time. So Laura, you want to talk a little bit about who is your most influential teacher? and a little bit about why. Sure. So as I've mentioned on the podcast before, I attended Tennessee Public Schools K through 12. Um, And so I've had a lot of great teachers um, over my time. But um, the one who jumps out the most to me is probably Mr. Sanders, who I had for advanced placement government. And it was during the 2000 election. Ooh, very exciting. Yes. So um, he was very passionate um, for his content and subject. um, But he also let us kind of get out and do a lot of practical things. So in addition to, um, I remember reading all the King's Men and like, you know, watching videos of court cases and, you know, reading our, you know, textbook and having classroom debates and discussions. Um, We also got out and did some exit polling around the election. Oh, that's fun. Yes. And so I think under, um, you know, his um, influence. Who who won in the exit poll or was it a split? Were there any hanging chats? (laughs) Um, I don't recall that there were, you know, that obviously was the issue of the the day. Um, I really can't remember who who won in the actual exit polls that we were doing around Memphis, Tennessee at the time. I just really remember participating in the experience. Yeah. I went on to become, you know, partially a political science major at the University of Alabama. So I do think that that was influenced by. Um, I th- feel like he influenced my whole trajectory. That so. I, what about you? Well, I so I I'm going to talk about the one that I was thinking of in my head before this, but I also just I um, part of the reason I ended up doing studying in college American government and African and African American studies was because of my um, my AP comparative government experience. Um, and that teacher was fantastic. I cannot believe, um, I can't remember her name at the moment, but anyway. Um, I was going to talk about a, a teacher that I had um, in seventh grade for math. It was algebra. Um, and his name was Vern Williams. And uh, he was an incredible teacher. And I really hadn't liked a lot of math to date. Um, I hate to say that, but it's true. And he just really made it all come alive. We did a ton of sort of um, formulas and proofs and all of this stuff that was really interesting. But um, the other interesting fact about him 
is uh, two things. One, he had a license plate that said Pi 3.14, <laughs> or maybe it just said Pi 3.14. But, um, it, you know, so you knew he was a guy who loved math. Years later, uh, while I was working here in Tennessee and we were working on uh, and looking at standards, I was, you know, looking for some information about uh, the common core state standards at the time. And it turns out he was on the committee that helped write the math standards. Small world. Small world. It was amazing. Um, so um, he was uh, he was really just a, a fantastic teacher. So next we're going to bring in Isaiah Bailey to describe the state level findings from this year's educator survey. So let's go ahead and bring in Isaiah. Okay, so we're excited to welcome to the podcast, Isaiah Bailey, who runs all of the operations and analysis for the Department of Education on the Educator Survey. Isaiah, welcome to the 10th period. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here, both of you today. Before we start, um, Aaron and I have already discussed some of our most influential teachers. And since today it's really all about our teachers on the podcast, um, we're hoping that you would also share about one of your most influential teachers. Sure. Um, I think I mind always immediately goes to Miss Wildlick. I've had this question before, and uh, Mrs. Wildlick, she was my ninth grade English teacher, and um, she was fantastic teacher. She really made um, literacy and writing. Um, she she made writing fun, but then I think really the big impact that she had in my life was, um, you know, eleventh grade year. Miss um, Wildlick, I, I I was caught in a hall sweep. And this was my going to be my third strike on hall sweeps. That was a automatic suspension. You know, I, you know, I was a little bit more difficult in high school. You know, I was all out of ISS, and um, so I went into Ms. Wyatt's class and asked her to write me a note to go to my next class and avoid the hall sweep. And she said no, and I was shocked. I was taken aback. But she made a deal with me. Um, she asked me why I wasn't down taking the PSAT at the time. And I really didn't think myself a, a college aspiring student at the time. Um, but Ms. Wildick made a deal that she would write me a pass, but it would be to go take the PSAT. And then I would be able to go back to my class at whatever time the test was over. And I gave her a little bit of pushback, but ultimately I knew I needed that hall pass and I needed to do whatever I needed to do to get that hall pass. And so um, I went down, I did really well on the PSAT. I started getting all these letters from colleges and um, it was really exciting. She was there throughout the process. I had a few schools where I came and showed her the letter and she said, I'm pretty sure you don't want to go to that school. And she would talk me through it. And um, she was just very, very influential until, you know, basically from ninth grade yeah. all the way through the completion of high school and moving into matriculating into high um four-year college. I, that's, I, can you tell us a little bit about this year from the educator survey? What do you think are some of the most important findings? Sure. So uh, we, we had three top-level findings um, around um, instructional and planning time, around teacher evaluation, instructional improvement, you know, the work that starts to touch on uh, professional learning and thinking about how teachers are growing over time. Um, and then uh, we really saw something emerge around standards, um, 
and the materials and resources that teachers have uh, to teach the standards and looking at how all those things tie together. And so, um, you know, we saw that most teachers agree that administrators are supportive in protecting their instructional time, um, but teachers are increasingly saying compared to previous years that their planning collaborative time is insufficient. Um, and, you know, it's it's really been interesting. We've had the chance to go out to different schools and learn a little bit more about teachers' perspectives. Um, you can see in the report we try to highlight um, different teacher comments. We really try to look at the comments holistically and see what's there. And then we try to pull out a comment, a few comments that really feel like they embody um, what the majority of teachers are saying, the teachers who have written in and said things in these different areas. Um, and so, you know, you can see certain things emerge across these different areas. Um, similar in um, around evaluation, you know, teachers are saying evaluations led to improvements in their teaching, but many continue to rate the experience as burdensome. Um, and so we had a comment actually in our report um, and I would all jump in here and say that um, the way that our survey is structured, a lot of it is, you know, asking teachers, do they agree or disagree about something or how frequently are they participating in something? But we also have an open-ended comment section at the end of the where it right. asks, you know, what else would you like the department to know? And Isaiah and uh, myself um, and some others on the research team at the department, we spend a lot of time reading through those comments yeah. and trying to, you know, pick out the most common themes and then mm -hmm. sharing that back with department leadership um, so that we so that we're both ta both taking yeah. into account the kind of quali qualitative and quantitative. But we also get some really interesting comments. I mean, uh, they're all over the spectrum, but I think one that I really liked from this year's report um, was something where they said, I'm a new teacher. I've been supported and included in the school. I feel like my high school is concerned about my growth as a teacher. Um, and, you know, those are the types of things that I think are really important when you're thinking about looking at this data and really understanding just beyond the numbers. You're looking at the numbers. You're looking at what they're saying over the course of several years. But then when you really take that and you put it up against what teachers are writing in and you start to get a real sense of, you know, what are the themes, as Laura's mentioned, what are the themes that really emerge there really starts to feel like valuable research in that way. And it also maybe resonates with different audiences. Yeah. Um, when you're thinking about who this report might go in front of, this report might go to obviously principals and district leaders and teachers, but also potentially people who are making policy here at the right. state level um, or in the legislature, people who are, you know, parents of children who are in different schools throughout the state. So um, really trying to give, you know, we talk about teacher voice a lot. So actually trying to have real evidence of teacher voice yeah. there in a more meaningful way. So, so this, what else were they telling us this year? Yeah. Um, so then we also saw that um, teachers report that they understand that um, they know what the standards expect of them, but fewer teachers agree the instructional materials are well suited to teaching the standards. Um, and so, again, you know, we have commentary that's featured there in the report that really expands on how teachers actually feel about the standards and what they're saying about their materials. And I think um, I feel like it's a good setup point there also to have a story, but then also kind of open that up for other people to be able to advance that work. What are some of the areas for you all as a research team? And I can talk a little bit about the Tara perspective on this, mm -hmm. but what are some of the areas that popped up this year on the survey that you feel like we really want to dig in and know more about what's happening here? Mm -hmm. I would say parent engagement. Um, we've spent a few years 
trying to get a strong set of questions around parent engagement. And we added a new set of questions. Um, and so we learned about, you know, how teachers feel about their efforts to engage with parents. And for a lot of teachers also feeling like parents are reciprocating that back with them and really engaging and trying to have a sense of partnership uh, with students in schools. And we feel like, you know, that's something that also emerges in the commentary um, where teachers really feel like that's a critical part of what empowers them um, because there was another section on empowerment and you could see kind of the tie between those things was that a number of teachers when they spoke to feeling empowered to teach in ways that felt right in their classroom some of those teachers spoke to having family engagement and having some of those pieces that went beyond their classroom. One of the other um, things we saw this year, we saw a pretty nice increase in the percentage of teachers who no longer re uh, report being pulled in many different directions. Yeah, I, that was and, an interesting thing because last year that was actually something I think we were all concerned about. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think maybe things are, you know, at least, you know, around like some of the new standards and some of the, you know, um, other work that's going on in the state feel, feeling a little bit calmer. I think districts are doing a lot of good jobs to, to support teachers and a lot of the implementations of the new standards. Um, but I also do think it would be really interesting to dig into some differences. So I, I'm hoping that this is, I think, where Tara will really come in because our team's doing a lot of work just to say what the descriptives look like. But yeah. I think Tara can really jump in and say, oh, wow. So when teachers are reporting that they are feeling pulled in many different directions, what does a school climate look like? You know, is it a, is it a new principal? Right. Um, you know, there's some great questions questions on teacher instructional practices on the survey. I would love to see, you know, the alignment between those items and, um, t you know, teacher uh, effectiveness. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a really great opportunity um, to pull some of this data and connect it to some of our other data sources. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The one other thing I want to mention as a use of the survey is it's actually great for internal program evaluation. The mm -hmm. department um, tries to, you know, when we roll out a big new initiative, make sure that we're evaluating the implementation. Mm -hmm. And so one of the big department initiatives that we actually talked about in an earlier podcast is the read to be ready work. And we were actually able to use the survey data to look at teacher instructional coach interactions. And we saw that if the teachers had a read to be ready coach, they reported that 71% of them reported having at least 10 high impact interactions, mm -hmm. compared to only 49% of teachers without a read to be wow. ready coach. So I think that that was some important data that showed us at least, you know, that the read to be ready work is changing the way that teachers are interacting with their instructional right. coaches and that we see a, see a difference there. So I think the data is also really useful for um, kind of t using it to check and make sure that the, the work that is happening across the department is actually making the intended impact. So Isaiah, just, you know, any last thoughts from you on what you feel like has been gained over the years of having done this and where you sort of hope the survey might continue to go in the future? Sure. Um, I think it's really been good to um, get a sense of it's always important to try to negotiate, you know, what teachers feel like they want to say and the things they feel like they need to communicate and negotiate that with what state and local leaders and people here in the department, our partners in the research community really feel like they need to hear and they need to learn um, about our teachers in the state. And so I think continuing to see the survey improve just from a design standpoint is something that continues to feel important. And then also just continuing to see you know, thorough analysis coming from us at the department, that partnership where Tara is really taking it and running with that ball and um, carrying that forward, but then also really seeing some different groups um, that might be, you know, outside of the department, outside of Tara, 
different individuals who are just interested in picking that up. And yeah, some learn. of our partners in Tennessee SCORE and in the Educational yeah. Equity Coalition and some of these folks who have helped, who, uh, Hope Street Group, people who have contributed thoughts and questions and that type of thing. And also increasing the what educators want to know. Yep. So if you're a prince, if you're out there and you're listening and you're a principal or you're a teacher and there are things that you are interested in having the survey cover, we are definitely open to that. So please do be in touch. Um, this has been a great conversation, Isaiah. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for all the work that you Thank do on you. this survey. Um, and we're going to call Millington Elementary School and put Kathy Wilson on the spot. Hi, how are you all? Good. Thanks for joining us today on the 10th period, and we're excited to get a chance to dig in on how you think about the educator survey and uses in your school. But before we do that, one of the things we're talking about since the educator survey is focused on what a teacher's think is um, just talking a little bit about our own favorite or most influential teacher. So I'd love to know a little bit about yours. Okay. Well, my favorite teacher that I can remember from high school was Mr. Billy Moore, the band teacher. Um, he, he was fantastic. He introduced us to a lot of music, uh, contemporary and classical and that kind of thing. And also, um, he made you reflect, self-reflect on your practices and that kind of thing. Because, for example, he said to me, um, you know, you do really a really good job even though you don't practice, which made me think for a minute, um, okay, so if I practice, then maybe I would do a great job. So <laughs> that's always so, that's the kind of feedback that's so important. So, what instrument right? did you play? Side clarinet. Oh, I also played the clarinet. Me too. You do? <laughs> yes. Really? That's so funny. <laughs> I know. Wind instruments of the world unite. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, the, so that's a great point about the self reflection. Right. Yeah. It's one of the things actually we hear a little That's bit about in the survey is the type of feedback that um, that educators are or aren't getting and the way that it makes them either think about and improve their practice or not. I'm curious just to hear from you, Kathy, about for you and, and for your school, um, what are the ways you've used the survey in the past um, and, and what might you be thinking about this year? Well, what we do, and, and I look for the, the results, as you know, to come out. I just constantly look at that website to, to see if they're there. And I'm so excited when I do see them come in on, through email. Um, we look at what we do here at our school. Um, we try to make sure that our school climate is a good one because that's the most important part of making sure that the teachers, the parents, the students, Everyone feels comfortable with what's going on. And using the survey is one way that we can kind of focus in on what everybody's thinking, you know. And, mm -hmm. and with this one, with the teachers, certainly um, we examine our practices. And we kind of, I get with my, my leadership team, and we discuss what kinds of things we can do to make changes so that some of our um, areas that, that don't seem to come out looking, you know, as rosy as they possibly could, that we can change, that we can do something to, to make it a little bit different. Can you give us an example of, of something that you all have looked at and said either, oh, that's great, and, and so we should take that and do it in different ways, um, or, oh, that's something we need to dig in on a little bit more? Sure, sure. One example, and, and this one is near and dear to my heart, because in one of my past lives, I was a school counselor, and at that time, we were evaluated on just the regular teacher evaluation kind of instrument, and um, a lot of the things did not fit. 
there were certain things that I did in my job that that really didn't fit. So in one of the areas that I noticed in the teacher evaluation and instructional improvement portion of the survey was that our teachers said that the specific professional learning suggestions that we gave were not specific to what they did. Mm. For example, with counselors or with PE teachers, some of the things, the suggestions that we gave back, they can't use that because you've got 60 kids in there. So, you know, some of the things that a small group could do well, a large group would not. So we kind of brainstormed what we could do to address these more specific kinds of things. Seems like you're really taking that skill of self-reflection uh, from your favorite teacher and ca- carrying it on into all skill aspects of your life. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I find that constructive criticism is, is, is wonderful, and, and I welcome that because I want to do better, and I know that everybody else does too, you know? So I think if you can tell me what is it that I can do for you that will make it better, that makes it better all around. That's great. You've seen the um, main findings from the department, mm-hmm. and I'm curious whether or not there was a particular one, maybe around evaluation or planning time or materials that resonated with you the most and what you maybe hope that the department or policymakers would do in response to educator feedback on the survey. Right. And this was something that I kind of expected to see it was about the planning time. I know here at our school at one point, not last year, but the year before, we did PLCs twice a week. Well, that did did not do well with the classroom teachers. They said, why am I out of my classroom so much? I need to be in there to plan these lessons. And when I would go in for an evaluation, I remember I had a brand new teacher who said, do you expect me to do this much planning for each lesson that I do? And I thought, well, yeah, and you've got to have that time. So one of the things that I think is that building planning time and planning days, you know, days where teachers can get together and work on those things into the schedule and and into the time that they're here so that they'll be able to do that. Because it does take a lot of time to make sure that you get every facet of the planning, you know, areas, just just touch on those to make sure that that, that the kids are getting the best. You know, it, it... it's not. It wasn't necessarily surprising to me either that that mm-hmm. result. And I think we've seen that result, you know, for a couple of years now. And also, it's the type of thing that actually on a previous podcast, and when we were talking about teacher improvement um, with Leticia, mm-hmm. um, you know, we were talking about over time. You know, what are the things that you feel like help you to improve, and where are the areas that you still uh, still need something? You know, from the district or from the school or from the state. And time was one of those things. I mean, time, I think, sort of frequently comes up. Absolutely. Another thing we see a lot is um, is, is information sort of about um, feedback and the types of feedback that, that teachers are getting. Mm-hmm. What's the type of feed? What 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 do you all um, see on feedback, or, or what's the type of feedback you're actually looking for from the survey to know if things are going well in your school? Well, you know, just... Pretty much everything that we have, I, I think that if if there were a way that teachers could possibly write into that, you know, like with the, t- the 10 ready testing, you know, have, have a way that they could just give specific rather than just, you know, 
marking, I guess, the um, like they agree or, or strongly kind of agree, yeah. right? Yeah, because yeah, we absolutely. do. We only have one open-ended comment at the mm-hmm. end. It's just sort of about mm-hmm. a catch-all about everything. There's not really like a hey, and what recommendation would you give about this specific thing? So that's right. a really interesting. Yeah, point. And, and so you feel like that's the type of thing that might help you from the perspective of the survey is absolutely. to be able to get more of that kind of. That's great feedback for us. Absolutely, just to be, you know, just to give us some specific things that that we can do, some ideas that that we can touch on. So yes. Mm-hmm. I do want to mention that Millington Elementary School had a great response rate on the survey and that um, Isaiah, who was also on the podcast um, before Principal Wilson, we had a chance to go out to Millington um, and they were really, you know, as a staff digging into the data and really great and reflective with us around some of the findings that we're seeing and we're giving us some great suggestions about um, ways that we could even, you know, improve upon the survey next year and um, so they also got a two thousand uh, dollar award to use towards staff appreciation based on their response rate, which is one of the things that if you have a high response rate, you can you are entered into a lottery to win, right? That's uh, right, a two thousand uh, dollar gift for your school to use for teacher appreciation. Kathy, what have you done at your school to um, to help encourage response rate, teacher responses, but also to do that in a way that doesn't feel threatening to teachers? Right. Well, one of the ways that that I think that this kind of thing helps is that we do another informal kind of survey at the end of the year, and we call it Add, Drop, Adjust, and the teachers give me suggestions, and we do those that, that we can make changes on, we do that. So I think that they know that I look at this really seriously, and I do uh, value what, what they say to me and listen to their good ideas. Also, Jean's Day's coupons really help a lot. <laughs> we have heard we have heard that multiple times. I mean, we we those are the sort of types of things we hear generally and um, from educators and you know principals and folks when we talk to them is number one thing about actually having people take the time to fill out what uh, to fill out this survey is needing to know that people care about the responses. Um, mm-hmm. And um, it's it's great to get to talk with you and hear about the things that uh, that you do. It's really nice to know that part of why your teachers are responding is because you actually are doing things with the results. And I think it's important to then also know that folks at the State Department of Education as well are really um, digging in um, to the responses broadly, to those specific responses that teachers give. Um, so we really appreciate your time. Before we let you go, any last thoughts for us or for the Department of Education on, um, you know, how to use the survey going forward or any types of questions that are not on there that you think should be besides the open response? Right. No, I I think it does pretty well. I mean, I use it, like I said, a lot. And we go over it with the teachers to make sure that they understand uh, what they see. Also, it helps us to see what our answers are compared to our district and to our sister school. I I know I look at theirs, too. And I have um, colleagues that if I look at their school and see that, oh, well, that you know, their, their responses were different from mine, what is it that they are doing? So it helps a lot with mentoring me as, as a principal um, to talk w- with my peers, too. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Principal Wilson, for taking the time to, to join with us today um, and talk a little bit about the educator survey. I, thank you. We really appreciate it. And congratulations on the Teacher Appreciation Award as well. Oh, thanks so much. We appreciate it. <laughs> Take care. All right. Thanks.
So now we have Kathy Whitehead, who's the Director of Educator Engagement at the department, um, to talk with us a little bit about what the department is going to be doing in response to the educator survey results. And Kathy actually, um, I'm calling her Kathy Whitehead because that was her name up until about a few days ago. She re- is recently married. Congratulations. And, uh, in the process of changing to Kathy Presnell. Yes, right? that's right. Thank you. <laughs> Fantastic yeah. news. Thank you. Uh, and and so um, we're going to spend some time talking with Kathy about her role as the educator engagement and sort of how that um, was related mm-hmm. to the survey. But Kathy, before we get started, mm-hmm. we want to ask you the question we've been asking everyone. Who is your most most influential or favorite teacher? You know, I love that question because like when I ask people that, you just see their faces light up, you know. Um, and I had so many really good ones. But I think the one that really had a huge impact on me was my senior high school English teacher. Um, she came to us new. So we had had the same teacher as freshmen, sophomores, and juniors. And then we got this new teacher my senior year. And um, she had the highest expectations. Like, I don't think I'd ever really worked until she taught us. Yeah. Um, so it was like, you struggled, but when you turned in something and she said it was good, yeah. you knew it was good. And she got us out of the quote-unquote canon, you know? So, like, we read the original Tarzan of the Apes in that class. Cool. and So I tell people any writing I've ever done of worth in my life, I can trace back to her. And I'm super proud to say that even today she's advocating for public education. She is the president of the Mississippi Education Association. And I ran into her in D.C. about a year ago at an event. And uh, it makes me tune up kind of thinking about it because I had not seen her since high school graduation, which was like, you know, a little while ago. A while back. Um, and we both just burst into tears That's the okay. minute we saw each other. Um, and here you were probably in some sort of Teacher of the yes, Year celebration yes. with this former teacher. I, I thought that you. was so special. And it was just one of those, like, it reminded me of the impact that teachers have on people in their classrooms. You know, even when you don't know it at the time or right. you don't see how it's going to impact them down the road. That And how many years incredible. were you a classroom teacher? I was a teacher for seven years. In elementary, mostly? Elementary. I taught third grade in Chester County, which is right. in West Tennessee. Yeah. Fantastic. And we're so psyched that you're at the Department of Education now in the role that you're doing. And can you talk a little bit about why, a little bit about why that it was important to you to have this role and then what you think educator voice means and how the survey sort of plays into all of that? Yeah. So I am super passionate about this role because I think that informed teacher voice is one of the most powerful things we have. You know, and I don't know that we articulate a whole lot of times exactly why teacher voice is important. We just kind of say teacher voice. it's important. And we're going to go get it, right? But we don't talk a lot about, you know, what is it saying about what we value when we really listen and act on teacher voice? And Governor Haslam, I was in a meeting one time, and he said, um, you know, there's no more important voice in education policy than that of those in the classrooms doing the work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so powerful because – when we, I think part of it is listening to teacher voice. Um, so, you know, at the State Department, we had kind of had this big 30,000 foot view of what's going on, and that is important. But when we balance that with what we know is going on in classrooms and with what we hear from teachers, we have this much more full picture of how the policies that are being implemented are actually impacting our teachers and our kids. And, and I think beyond that, even not just listening, but acting on it. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, I think that um, 
some of a lot of the success that we've had in Tennessee has been attributed to the way we have engaged teachers at the state level. I know when I was in the classroom, I um, looked at social studies item review and I led summer training and social studies standards. And I served on uh, Commissioner McQueen's Teacher Advisory Council and Governor Haslam's Teacher Cabinet. And I know that at every place, my voice, it was respected and it was heard. Um, and I know that there are thousands of other teachers across the state doing similar work. So I think it's that practice of listening to our teachers and using what we listen to think about our next steps forward um, that's so important. And I think that the Tennessee Educator Survey addresses both of those points. Mm-hmm. And I and I think it also digs a little deeper. We, we talk about educator voice as like one collective thing, right? Yeah. And we forget sometimes that there are almost 70,000 teachers out there. And so when we have a tool like this where we can really tap into lots and lots of voices in classrooms, while we synthesize those findings, that also honors the diversity of perspectives and thought that all of our teachers bring to the table. That's such an important point because, you know, as I was reading through the comments this year, I mean, some teachers would say, I want more observations, but I want them to be shorter. And some people would say, I want to be observed less. Us, but I want it to be for two hours. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of we have to kind of look and see where are the opinions coalescing and where are the opinions diverging and how do we, you know, differentiate guidance, but or how do we, you know, universally put out supports um, that and where it makes sense. Right. Yeah. This is a, a point Kathy Wilson was sort of uh, making as well from Millington, right, is that the, the, the different perspectives and different contexts at different schools really matters. And also that then you can use something that is happening somewhere else to inform what you're doing. How have you, in your role, seen the Department of Education use the survey data and what types of things would you want educators to know about what actually happens with the data after, what actually happens with their voice after it's sort of all put together? I think one of the best examples when we think about like how the state has used um, used this kind of data is when we think about the read to be ready and ready with resources work. You know, I think that's a great example of we saw in our data that there were gaps in what our kids, what we wanted them to be able to do. Educators were soundingly told us they want more materials and they want better things to use in their classroom. And then we have, um, you know, we've launched the Ready with Resources work. It's kind of been an outgrowth of the Read to Be Ready work. But I think that's a great example of how we saw the need, educators voiced more specifically exactly what that need was, and then policy was put into place to address it. Meaning you sort of, you the department had a sense that there was an issue. It's confirmed by the data of the educator survey where educators are saying, last year, I don't feel like I have the instructional materials that yep. I need. I mean, and, and we still see that as an issue. Um, when you all at the department, when there are things that come up year after year, how do you um, how do you all think about addressing things that maybe come, bubble up more than once and, and you feel like, oh, gosh, we've taken a step in that direction. But, you know, how do, how do you think about those things? Well, I know last year when we had the finding about our early grades teachers saying they were spending four and a half hours hours sourcing Mm -hmm, materials for their literacy blocks. What that caused us to do, because that was actually a question we asked specifically to our K-3 reading teachers as part of our Read to Be Ready evaluation work. And and you were asking it in part, I mean, I think this is important too. Part of the reason you all ask that question is because you know you have upcoming adoptions and you're interested in, and this is something that you all do um, with the survey is when you have something you're thinking about, you put it on the survey so you get some information. And that's what I was going to say is that we actually, what we did this year was we added actually a couple questions 
guidelines around instructional materials that we didn't have on the survey last year, yeah. which is, uh, you know, the, the development of the survey is a very collaborative process um, yep. where we get lots of feedback from teachers, districts, mm-hmm. you know, di- all, all different stakeholders. Researchers. Researchers. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Um, so this year we added some questions um, around instructional materials, and that's where we really saw that teachers are saying, like, I understand the standards, um, you know, but um, I don't necessarily, you know, we had about a third of teachers who said that my materials are not well suited to teaching the standards, and it was greater in ELA than it was in math. And we also saw a connection between um, professional learning and whether your professional learning was tied to your materials, then you were more likely to feel like your materials were well suited to teaching the standards. Mm. Um, And so that's not something we could get at with last year's survey, but this year we were, because we knew we were launching into the Ready With Resources work and we knew that um, a important phase of that work is going to be tying it to professional learning. Um, And I think we're, you know, it's still kind of yet to be determined with what um, what that piece of it will look like. We've been, um, but we're working on that and getting some educator feedback around the importance of professional learning and what they feel like they are getting mm-hmm. kind of helps the plan continue to evolve around what the department is doing to support districts and schools. Kathy, whenever we have someone from the department on, one of the things we always ask is, um, well, a little bit, we refer back to some of the things that were said earlier. So mm-hmm. you, you heard um, uh, Kathy Wilson from Millington talking about the types of things she thinks um, could be added to the survey and would be helpful. From your perspective, um, what are the things that um, either something that you saw in the survey that you think, gosh, you know, we really need to be working on that more or something from the or something else that you think should be added to the survey to help inform a next step for the department? I think one of the things I heard on the survey that, and I, w- I do want to call out, this this past school year was my first year outside of the classroom. Right. So it still feels really fresh. And I still think, oh, yeah, that makes total sense because that was my experience. But I think it's the piece around time mm-hmm. that I know Isaiah talked about. Um, you know, in my classroom, time was just one of those things that you never seem to quite get enough of. Um, and I think we heard that from teachers throughout the state. So, you know, things that we're looking at at the state um, are like, you know, how can we improve the RETI squared process. Um, what is the right amount of time to spend on assessment? You know, so like over the next two years, we're not going to have any standalone field tests. We're eliminating two end of course assessments in English three and um, in chemistry, and we're reducing the amount of time kids are going to spend on testing in third and fourth grade. So um, I think that, you know, that's one of the pieces that really stood out to me, that teachers are always hungry for more time. Mm -hmm. Um, In my role also, I manage the Teacher Advisory Council, which um, they advise Commissioner McQueen and the department on, you know, what are things that are directly happening in their classrooms and and how does it inform our next steps forward? And it's made up of our nine Teacher of the Year finalists. Oh, cool. And then our three... um, Grand Division winners from the year before. And as part of their work, they host roundtables across the state. Mm. So they dig into some of the pieces that, you know, in general, we kind of look at when we look at the Tennessee Educator Survey, but it's that conversational kind of piece that happens across the yeah. state. And and what we're hearing is anecdotally, we're hearing a lot of support for what we hear from the Tennessee Educator Survey. So we know people want content experts when they're being evaluated in the classroom and they want more collaborative planning time. And and I think that's really validating when we know that the conversations we're having with teachers in the field is totally aligned with with what we're hearing from the uh, from the educator survey. Yep. And and you know, I think it's when we do hear things either multiple times or in multiple ways, I have seen where that is the type of thing that spurs the department into action. When you think, Kathy, about districts, how do you, what what advice would you have for districts on how to use the survey? You know, um, in my classroom, the best feedback I ever got was from my kids. 
I've heard you say that before. Uh, I remember yes. you saying that. I mean, it really is. It made I me think... want to do a student survey. <laughs> <laughs> I highly recommend them. Um, but I think when, you, when you're in a place where you, you're okay with being vulnerable enough to really get some honest sure. feedback, asking it from those who see the work every single day. And, you know, my kids knew when when I was on my game and when what I was doing wasn't really supporting them well. And it was not easy to hear, but it was super actionable. And it always, when I acted on it, it always helped me get better. And I think we can kind of think about the same thing when we think about districts. You know, when we really listen to our teachers, when we make that a practice, when we incorporate what they say, I just can't help but think that we're going to come out with better policy at every level. I, mean, I can't think of a better ending yep. than that. that that's, that's right. <laughs> Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks. Good to see you again. Thank you. Well, that's the end of the sixth episode of the 10th period. But, Laura, this is the time where we always have a little bit of time to reflect ourselves and think about what we've learned. So what are, what are your big takeaways from today's conversation? So I'm thinking about how Principal Wilson talked about how it might be useful um, as a principal to also have kind of some comments from her teachers around recommendations that she kind of does supplement the educator survey with her own survey to try Mm -hmm. to actually collect ideas from her teachers around what she should change the following school year. And then um, also, um, we also had our director of educator engagement, you know, um, uh, Kathy Presnell, I have to remember to say her last name, uh, talking about how um, the roundtable that the Teacher Advisory Council does is really helpful in terms of kind of unpacking the educator survey yeah. results a little bit more. So I feel like now that the survey isn't this nice place of we have this great website, you know, we have a good response rate. Um, we, I just I'm always thinking about how we can make the data more actionable. Right. Um, and so that was really useful to reflect on and hear about today. What about you? I'm, I'm, I'm struck by the um, some of the things that connect from research we've done previously to this survey to now thinking about what comes next. Um, so I know I, I sat through recently, we had a meeting with you mm-hmm. and um, your some of your members of your team and some researchers and some of the t- people who at the state who run evaluation. And, and we were really actually digging into both broad scale survey and questions. And very influential and to how they think about their questions. work. Oh, yeah. I mean, right? I was, I, it was, uh, I actually took some pictures and um, really was going to tweet out about like, oh, and here we are talking about the survey and how the survey should impact what they're thinking about on evaluation. When we were working on the report about the survey, I mean, the, we had the governor staff calling and saying, do you have that report ready? The governor wants to see it. I mean, right. yeah. so this is, I mean, the educator survey is something that's gotten a lot of, a lot, it, it provides so much useful information. And what I feel like is so, so both, I love, you know, just hearing about uses and the way people use the, the information because, uh, you know, it, it does feel actionable but as you said it can always get more actionable but to me from the perspective of research in in some ways it captures a lot of information and in some ways the survey barely scratches the surface Mm -hmm. so what more can we know about what it is about time that uh that teachers feel like they are and aren't getting and how can that help to inform practice and policy um at the state what you know what more do we know about um you know, the relationship between some of these, some of the answers that we get and, uh, and, and sort of, you know, how principals are using them. We do know that schools that uh, report, um, where teachers report better school climates also tend to have higher uh, evaluated principals. These things are related. And I think the more that we on our end can dig into uh, and know, uh, 
know what we can say to people that feels a little bit more actionable about what to do and how to get to a school that has you know, high levels of climate or get, get to a school where teachers are saying, actually, time feels good here. Um, and those things are also linked to, to student results. Um, and, and that's what I'm eager to dig into. That's right. I think that, um, you know, I know we're going to be digging into a lot of the professional learning work and trying to figure out, like, yeah. when teachers right. are improving yep. at faster rates based on the work that we had John Pepe, I think, the third episode yeah, sounds on right. talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, he's hoping to connect some of that work up to the survey and seeing, like, if teachers are improving at faster trajectories are you know is that happening in schools where teachers are reporting different kinds of professional learning or how is it organized and that could be really actionable right. you know if we find something concrete there um you know the other thing i was thinking about um is just you know around the, especially around this planning time finding is just how do we help people cut things out how yeah. do we not just use the survey to figure out like what to add and, and do differently but also how do we use the survey to help the state our legislators um district school leaders figure out how to prioritize um, I, I love this quote that is in the educator survey that says, I'm sure if I want to give up my 45 minutes of planning yeah. time, the administration would love for me to observe other teachers. But I feel this should be done in an additional time, not my planning time. I already give up one day every other week to meet with my team of teachers. Other planning days are given up for parent meetings. No one understands how much teachers need their planning time to plan a good lesson. You know, this is, I mean, but I think that those kinds of... Kathy said it. Leticia yeah. said it before... Kathy Wilson said it. I This is a place that I'm going to commit to uh, on this episode that we are going to dig in more and we're going to see what more we can find out. Podcast accountability. Podcast accountability. <laughs> it's a good thing to do. So that brings us to the end of this episode of the 10th period. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please do go um, and access the educator survey results. Um, they are really enlightening um, and, and actionable. And it's the type of thing that um, I think everyone can use from parents to teachers to administrators and folks at the state yeah level. and if you see anything really interesting you should tweet at us um i'm 10 La- ed res alliance yeah. and i'm laura booker tn and aaron o'hara tn <laughs> and with that we're signing off thanks for listening <laughs>